Well, you know, somebody not long ago asked me a question. And it was in the midst of this uh, shelter in place, and we were communicating by Zoom. It was someone unrelated to the church. And they said, where does your church meet? And in a strange kind of way, I, I had this awkward feeling. And I said what was really awkward to me, and that was the church has left the building. The church is not meeting currently. And I think that is so important for us to think about, not only now as we have met the last couple of years here in the Elkhorn Village, but also as we look uh, to erecting a structure where, where we will gather, the essence, the very nature of the church, I believe, is to be scattered. And that is the case with us today. You are the church scattered. And so let's pray together as the church in many different places. God, we thank you uh, that you're with us. Uh, we have learned that you are not encountered in so much of a space as you are a person, not a place, but a person. And we thank you for the personal nature of you being divine and somehow being transcendent, but being intimate with us, even in moments like this, moments during the week, in the quiet of our home, the workplace, very special and gentle moments with others. Thank you for the variety of ways in which we can encounter you as the church. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. And so we come to this first letter that Peter writes, and it is interesting, as Pastor Brenda said, Peter who Jesus said, I'm going to call you Cephas, the rock, uh, is now writing about stones and, and masonry work and, and the resource that was available. And, and he said, you are coming to Christ, who is a living cornerstone of God's temple. That Jesus, who called Peter the rock, Peter is now in return saying, Christ is the cornerstone for a significant structure. Yeah, that cornerstone is so important. I'm no engineer or architect, but I do know it comes into play in terms of the orientation of the building, foundationally, but also in terms of symmetry and uh, angles. And that was very important in the day of old Palestine where stone was the most prevalent resource. It wasn't like timber was available. And so stone upon stone upon stone was laid upon for the structure. And so we come here and we think about what, what Peter is saying. He's not talking about a literal house, a literal temple. He's talking about a spiritual house. And he describes that spiritual house. And I, 
I think we've seen a little bit of that over the last seven or eight weeks as we are the church. And yet we don't always have to gather. We miss gathering. We do. We miss that sense of community. In fact, I've mentioned it before. I really, really like it when this team is here. We're all social distancing, but there's some energy. And Scott said, it's okay if you all want to sing with us because we like that. That helps us. There's, there's a synergy and kind of a, a spirituality, a collective spirituality that occurs for us. But we've learned to, to be the church. We don't have to gather. In fact, in most cases, the church need not gather to really be the church. Verse 9 says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful life. An image I was able to think about was right after 9-11. Do you remember sleeper cells? And... In many ways, we think of the tragedy and evil they inflicted. But basically, sleeper cells were groups of people that were embedded in the culture. Uh, in many cases, they were terroristic. And, and we recognized that they had a presence in our culture. We had to be cautious. And there had to be steps taken to locate them, if at all possible. But they were targeting the population for acts of evil. What I have seen is that the church, in many ways, has been like a sleeper cell that has been called upon to act in these days, but for acts of kindness and compassion, just a few of them. Some of the things that we've seen is that people have been invited to be a part of virtual small groups, people that... Uh, maybe had never been a part of a small group, said, look, I need some contact. I, I need some connection. Will you all allow me to be a part of a group? And the answer has been a resounding yes. And, and there have been mentors that are working and have worked with after-school programs who've reached out, unable to do that physically now, but they've reached out through mail as a pen pal to say, we're still here and I'm still thinking about you and I'm still pouring into your life and I still want to invest in you and I believe in you. Our family takes a meal, one of our families, to a friend once a week that is struggling economically. I, th I think on a larger scale, Samaritan Purse, a humanitarian charity, really since April 1st has created a field hospital in New York City and Central Park, 14 tents, numerous patients that have been able to be blessed. Locally, a professor offering a fun night to students, students who are lonely and have anxiety is a good diversion. Neighbors checking on other single and elderly neighbors regularly. Food being purchased through, uh, through Nathaniel Mission, but for Nathaniel Mission, both and, and families being ministered to in ways that uh, we never thought possible, but because of the generosity and our support of that mission, 
Folks' lives are being changed, and they're sensing, they're seeing the church. These are church sightings. One family living and struggling economically, living on the edge, um, had a refrigerator go down, and another family said, look, I want to help with that. Another family struggling with the realities of not having employment. Another family said, I'm going to cover their rent. I have seen the church, and it's not been here in the storefront. You, you have been the church, and the church has left the building. It's everywhere. But our greatest work is still to be done. They tell us that a lot of recoveries take place in the economy in a V-shape, where there's a dip, a slope downward, and then a recovery where you have an incline and a moving forward and a moving up. And as in the case with the Great Recession 10-plus years ago, it was in the shape of a U in that that bottom was a little longer than some recessions. But they're saying that this one may have a large W where there will be a slope downward, and I'm not an economist. Then there's going to be a recovery. As a layperson related to finances, that's my hope. But they're saying that once the bankruptcies occur, once the loans are defaulted on, once the... 30 million that made jobless claims contend with the reality of no employment, there will be a subsequent slope with the hope of an upward recovery. And so we may be looking at a W. So what will the church look like in terms of response? I think our greatest work is ahead of us. And I want to encourage you as your pastor to be ready to be on that team, that sleeper cell that's ready to act, that's embedded in the culture and has the greatest message and ministry out of all the messages that have been sent. You know, we've, we've seen a lot, haven't we? We've seen the best of humanity and we've seen the worst. We've seen generosity, we've seen hoarding. And I think the argument for perfecting humanity, humanism, just got a lower rating. We have a theology, and fortunately, as people of faith, we were tipped off early to this thing. Revelation helped us with that. Jesus helped us with that when he said there will be suffering in this world. And we also bring in the recognition of an empty tomb. That's why we've been in this series. What now? How do we bring together the hope of Easter? And what we've discovered is hope has a name. It is Jesus Christ. And so how do we be Jesus to the world? How do we live out what it means to minister to the least of these. You know, some of the things that will be part of the aftermath 
marriages have been under great stress. We might want to be creative and start a small group, a marriage enrichment group, just to help push through what has been a stressful time. And children, many of them are struggling with anxiety and, and uh, symptomatic depression. And I heard not long ago that in some areas, liquor stores were allowed to deliver, bringing the tap to the house. Maybe we've been medicating or we've seen others medicate in the midst of the stress where it could form an addiction. How will we respond with compassion and help? One pornography site during this time sees the opportunity to offer three months free. And I do want to share with you, I didn't learn that by personal experience, <laughs> but I was told that. And so these addictions can form during a very difficult time. How will we be the church to help with those that have moved through depression and real anxiety, whether acute or long-term? Well, I think we've got to be the church, and we've got to be faithful to the work of Christ. And that's what sets us apart from any other social organization, is we have the spirit to help us be creative to help us with a sanctified imagination to look for a need and meet it. So I think we can be both and. I wanna wrap up with a descriptive story related to my grandfather. I did not know my grandfather very well because, well, he lived in St. Matthew's in Louisville. We would go see him, but he died earlier in my life. But I'm grateful for him and the legacy that he left. We named our oldest son after him, Jacob Stephan. Jacob, my grandfather, was an immigrant from Austria. And so was Elizabeth, his wife. They met in Chicago as immigrants, got married, got their citizenship. He worked for the printing house for the blind in Louisville as a machinist. And there in St. Matthew's, they resided, and he would go to worship. The family would go to worship on Sunday morning. And he was part of the church. And his faith was deep-seated, and there was real value in being at church for him on Sunday morning with his family. But what was remarkable for me was during the Depression, there was a railroad track that ran near the house, and... Frequently, there would be freight trains coming through, and there would be individuals, Americans, national-born here in this country, that would jump off the train, poor. They had just grabbed a train to get to another place where there may be hope, and they would jump off, and he would see them on the street. And he would turn to Elizabeth and say, let's do something for them. And he would invite them to eat a meal with his family, my dad being one of them, around the picnic table. They would thank him, and then they would board the next train, and off they would go. I don't know, for me, that's a good picture of the church come together 
But in the name of Christ, we reach out together in our culture, in our community. May it be that for us. Let's pray together.